following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19-ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. And pick up five bags of Scott's mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417 while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details, U.S. only. Jenny and I always say that thank God we were so naive at the beginning because had we thought through all of the things that had to go right or had to go in our favor, all the hard work we would have to do to get to the place that we're in today, like neither of us would ever have signed up for this. I didn't know that we'd have to become the world's largest dry cleaner. I didn't know that we'd have to build all of the technology from scratch, that we'd have to hire hundreds of engineers, and that would have to be one of our core competencies. I didn't know that data science would be as important to our business as it is. Welcome to the Forbes interview. I'm your host, Steve Bertoni. On this show, I'll do in-depth interviews with billionaires, entrepreneurs, and influencers. Today, very excited, we have Jennifer Hyman, the founder and CEO of Rent the Runway, and I've been lucky to do many features on companies. And I featured Jen and Rent the Runway about three years ago. And it's one of my favorites because when you walk into a story and you get totally surprised by all this different stuff, those are the best. And I got blown away by Rent the Runway. So welcome to the show. Thank you. And I was blown away because I got privy in all the how complicated the logistics, the AI, the shipping, the, the cleaning. It was a... It was incredible. Talk to me about what's going on right now. Well, Rent the Runway started as an idea on how to disrupt the way that we get dressed. And the original idea was, okay, let's take the part of your life where we know you're buying something, we know you're buying a dress and only wearing it once to a special occasion in your life, and can we enable you to rent it? But when I thought of the initial idea, I didn't actually realize to deliver that promise, basically what we'd have to build was a logistics and a technology company. Because at that point in time, there was no one else out there. There was no tech to buy off the shelf in terms of how to have reverse logistics of clothing. Um, There was no outsourced dry cleaning solution when you're shipping out tens of thousands of dresses. So we had to build an end-to-end reverse logistics platform at the beginning to power our first idea, which was renting for special occasions. And then a few years ago, I saw our customers loving the concept. I saw that rental was becoming normalized Mm -hmm. and that we were a part of having normalized rental, but also thanks to the entire sharing economy of WeWork and Airbnb and Uber, people were more open to renting in every aspect of their life. So our own customers kept on saying, you know, It's nice that you give me the opportunity to rent the runway for a black tie event, Mm -hmm. but what about the thing in my life that's actually most important to me that I'm doing five days a week, and that's go to work? Can you enable me to rent for my everyday life? And so we spent about a year beta testing what a subscription to fashion should be Mm -hmm. for our customers, launched that subscription in March 2016, and... 
that subscription is called unlimited. It has completely transformed our business and it has energized me about the vision of Rent the Runway more than anything that we've done over the last eight plus years. And taking a moment to thank our sponsors, Veradesk, Rocket Mortgage, and ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ziprecruiter.com slash Forbes. You'll hear more about these companies later in the show. The fascinating thing about what you guys do is you run a massive, basically an e-commerce business where in the best case scenario, everything you send out gets returned. Yes, that that's the <laughs> ideal scenario yes, where everything ideal. gets returned. I mean, the, the first business we launched, we were doing a great job if our customers came to us a few times a year for events they had on Saturday night mm. and decided to rent something as opposed to buy something. Now that we have, we're offering a subscription to fashion and the inventory that we're renting is everything from a top to a blazer to a coat to a beach bag to a dress, mm-hmm. our average subscriber is now using the service about 150 days a year. So we've gone from serving the customer four days a year to 150 days a year. When I thought in my head of other companies or brands that I transact with 150 days of the year... It was a very short list. Very short. For me, it's like Starbucks, Amazon Prime, Spotify. I don't even watch Netflix 150 days a year. It's like your cable company, your, your Con Ed, the gas, the gas company. Unfortunately, I use Amazon Prime more than I yes. use Netflix. But it's to power delivery to our customer for her to be renting something 150 days a year as opposed to wearing what's already in her closet or buying something new, what it truly is is we are now her closet in the cloud. Mm-hmm. We're her substitution for the storage facility called the closet that's in her bedroom. Let's talk in numbers here because I got a tour a couple of years ago of your facilities, which is the largest dry cleaner in America, maybe the world. And that facility that you saw three years ago, we moved out of. We're now in a facility that is six times larger than the one that you covered. And I think I saw it, and we were talking about playing. You could play like a baseball game in that. In in the we remember it was totally empty, and it was it was massive. I was shocked. It was, it's still in Jer- Jersey, right? Yes, and we're opening up many other facilities as well because. Now that we are providing this daily utility to users, proximity of inventory to the customer becomes really important. And, you know, opening up more facilities where we could take advantage of, of cheaper ground shipping <laughs> is very... I would say UPS and FedEx must love you because they get two times. They get the return and the delivery. They do love us, yes. but I wish that they loved us even more to give <laughs> us even more affordable rates. How much does Rent the Runway own? What, like how many items are in your inventory? I mean, we're entering the million point mm-hmm. of inventory because we constantly are replenishing the inventory and buying new inventory. We're buying all of the latest trends, all of the latest styles. We retire inventory. So at any moment in time, you know, the inventory is constantly changing. But inventory units are growing over 100% year over year. So the number of units we have to store mm-hmm. and house and rent out, the, the category diversification over the past two years, like we spent seven years perfecting what dresses and jewelry should we rent to our several million customers. 
And now we're renting everything from that dress before Mm -hmm. to the pants that you're wearing to your ski jacket. You know, it's a complete, from a data perspective, thank God we had the foundation and the investment that we made early on into Mm -hmm. data science so that inventory for us wasn't a risk and really has become an asset that fuels our growth. How you decide what to offer? Like you mentioned, you know, everything from ski jackets to to beach bags to when you introduce a new category, is it more is it data driven or is it more of a hey let's try this and see how it goes and we'll you know put like our toes in and just go all in later? It's completely data driven. So every time that someone returns something to us via the unlimited subscription, in order for them to pick their next unit, mm-hmm. they have to give us data on the one that they just sent back. And we're getting data that very few other retail companies receive. So first order question that we ask is, did you wear this or not? No one else actually receives. (laughs) Interestingly, in the entire retail world, no one else receives that piece of data. Is the answer no surprisingly high? Um, The answer no is surprisingly high. But what's even more interesting is people who say yes, we then ask them, did you love it? Did you like it? Or was it just okay? Mm-hmm. And in that answer, you actually decipher why a brand's loyalty rate is what it is. You could have worn something, but it was just okay. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you're not going to trial something from that brand again. So then we're asking her, well, what did you use it? Where did you wear it for? Or if you just liked it, was it a fit issue? Was it a style issue? Was it inappropriate? We're gathering all of this information that we use to inform what we buy in the future, but we're also bringing all of that data back to our brand partners, helping them change how they manufacture inventory that benefits us, but it also benefits all of their other partners. What makes, what about an outfit would make someone love it? Is it they think they look great, they love the way it feels, they get compliments, or just you never know? Is it a gut feeling? It is the combination of something fitting you and you loving the way it makes you feel. Mm-hmm. And that is actually what's fundamentally wrong about all of the fit-oriented technology companies that have flooded the market over the last five to 10 years. If solving fit was as simple as science, it would have been solved 15, 20, (laughs) however many years ago. Um, But it's not. It's psychology plus science. And the psychology of of how and why women feel self-confident is a mystery (laughs) that all of us want to solve over time. Obviously, when you started this company, everyone thought, you know, it's crazy. No one's going to be renting dresses. The move to the Unlimited, which has become such a huge part of your company, was that... Did people think that was a uh, like a com like not a likely extension, or do people think you're crazy doing day to day stuff? Like, no, you're this is working with the special events. No one's going to be renting their their business casual or their ski wear or whatever you want to call it. It took me a long time to convince my board to spend the dollars internally on the inventory that we would need to actually launch this in the right way. Mm-hmm. Even amongst the biggest advocates for Rent the Runway, my own board members. Many of them didn't believe that we could build a product that now women are using, you know, the majority of their work days of the year. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that if we were to do this podcast 12 months from now, people will use this product 200 days a year. The number one thing that women want amongst my subscribers is they want more outfits from us. How did you sell the board? 
pure passion for this vision focus on the customer. I knew this was what the customer wanted. Grounding in where the world was moving and those cultural trends. I think the board also developed confidence that everything I told them or I suggested would happen in the world when I was going out to raise initial money in 2009 had actually happened. Like that, And it had happened quicker than any of us could have expected. So I was predicting the death of department stores in 2008 or 2009 when that was very far away from occurring or the movement of of what professional women, you know, they're staying in the workforce post having kids, all of the implications of that and the various things that would change. I mean, the number one reason why people want to subscribe to Rent the Runway Unlimited Mm -hmm. right now is because they have to go to work every day. And at work, there's an expectation that women, first of all, are going to wear a different outfit every day. It's unbelievably expensive to do that. In a business casual environment, it requires so many different articles of clothing that you need to keep in your closet. And then in addition to that, women want to feel like their best self when they are at work, when they're going on a client meeting, when they're presenting something to their boss, you want to feel your most self-confident. Yeah, the, us guys have it easy. We can wear the same pair of pants for like months on months on end and no one's going to notice or care. That is very true and that is why I'm sticking with women. <laughs> how many how many people subscribe to Unlimited now? Well, I can't tell you how many people subscribe, but subscribers are up 150% year mm-hmm. over year. It is going to be more than the majority of our business mm-hmm. this year. We we launched it less than 2 years ago. We have a faster growth trajectory for our unlimited subscription over the past two years than Netflix had, than Dropbox had when they launched their subscriptions. It took Netflix five years to become a $100 million revenue business. It took Dropbox five years to become Mm -hmm. a $100 million revenue business. In that line of business alone for subscription, can't tell you the amount of time, but it'll take us less than half that amount of time. Wow. So we're growing this really quickly. What do the um, clothing companies think of this? The brands themselves love it because our customer base for Unlimited is similar to our Rent the Runway customer base in that women are discovering brands Mm -hmm. through Unlimited. It's a younger demographic, so we're still catering to Um, a much younger customer than the traditional buyer of designer brands. And remember, the traditional buyer is in her 60s. So if we're targeting anyone under the age of 60, that's winning to all of these brands. And they're dying for the so-called millennial um, shoppers. And if you're serving that, that's huge. And we're in, that's our sweet spot is the millennial shopper. Well, a customer, if, you know, they try on these, you know, a pants from, you know, or a shirt or pair of pants from like XYZ and it turns out like, I love this fit. Will they go out and buy some as well? They still subscribe to you, but they treat you like kind of like discovery and then they test it and they go, wow, you know, I, I like this brand a lot and I'll go out and I want to own this brand too. Yeah. What our customers are telling us is that subscription fundamentally changes how they think about shopping. Number one, with the dollars they do spend on shopping, on top of their subscription, they're buying investments. 
So if you have a subscription to fashion where you could be receiving something new every single day, mm-hmm. what, you're, what you will invest in is the pair of jeans or the black pants or the black blazer that you can use with your subscription and create millions of different outfit combinations. So you're making investments as opposed to buying things that you know you're only going to wear once or twice. Yeah. You're using your subscription to rent the very things that you've always wanted to wear, but didn't make rational sense for you to buy. So if you think about on a high level, like what is Rent the Runway doing? We're the first company that is actually separated owning something from wearing something. Hmm. Women have always had this demand to wear, you know, millions of different things that none of us have been able to wear, not only because of cost, but more importantly, because of rationality. Like if the only route to ever wear something in the past was buying it, then people weren't wearing a lot of, you know, hot pink beaded sweaters to work. Yeah. And yeah, it's an investment. Or if you didn't, didn't wear it once, you feel bad. Like, oh, I spent this money and I wore it once or it didn't work out. But this is, it's, there's no risk. There's no risk. You can constantly have variety. You can constantly self-express in new ways. How women dress for work actually could be different if you were having internal meetings for the day versus if you were going out to dinner after work. How you dress for the office is also fundamentally different than how you might dress when you're going out to brunch with your (laughs) friends on a Saturday. And this subscription enables you to rent for every part of your life. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Support for the Forbes interview podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask, why? Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to their rate and term in real time? And why can't there be a client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process. It gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. And hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate. In fact, 80 percent of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sites trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, listeners to the Forbes interview podcast can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. And one more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. 
ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I'm going to jump back to the beginning of Rent the Runway. Um, I was reading the story you wrote a couple years ago, and when you and Jenny Fleiss started this company, neither of you had any experience in fashion, in startups, or technology, and you just jumped off. How did how did you go from having the idea to now, you know, running this massive logistic company? Jenny and I have always been doers and we were always action oriented and from the moment that we had the idea, we started working on it. We started cold calling people. So we were cold calling Diane von Furstenberg and retailers and other designers. We started talking to potential customers and figuring out like who is the customer of Rent the Runway? What does she want? How much will she pay for it? So I think that, well, not I think, I know that our initial investors saw that we were fundamentally hustlers. Mm -hmm. Like we would make something happen. And they had very little confidence at the time that Rent the Runway was the bullseye idea, but they had 100% confidence that we would take their money and turn it into something. Mm -hmm. And we had that kind of, doer mentality of we're going to figure this out and we're going to continuously be out there iterating it. And I think that initial investors were just impressed on how much we had gotten accomplished in such a small amount of time with no money. What were the darkest days? Were there times when you thought this was just not going to work out? Honestly, I've never thought that the idea for Rent the Runway and the business wasn't going to work out mm-hmm. because I see the evidence of Rent the Runway in our lives all over the world every day. So anytime that you go into a store, call that store Zara or H&M, mm-hmm. and you buy a shirt for $20, and you know that shirt is going to disintegrate after you put it in a washing machine two or three times, yeah. that's a rental. Anytime you push something to the back of your closet and you say to yourself, "Mm, I'll take out my ski gear again next December, that's a rental. Anytime you sell something on the real reel or on ThreadUp or on eBay, you're basically renting, right? You're saying, I used this for a year. Now I don't need it anymore. And someone else can use it. So there are... And then forget about what, what has happened in department stores for decades, which is people actually buying something, keeping the tags on, wearing it, and returning it to the store. That's free rental. So there were (laughs) all of these different pieces of data for me that I saw that the behavior that people really wanted was wearing, was renting, and that there was no legitimate way to do that. And that we were going to offer a frictionless, Mm -hmm. convenient way to do that where we were giving the customer overwhelming value. The, The real secret sauce of Unlimited is overwhelming value. Our customer is receiving between 40 and $50,000 worth of clothing per year hmm. that she's able to receive for $1,500 a year. That's huge. And as long as we're in the business of overwhelming value, like this is going to be a success. Yeah. Back in the day, but you're dealing with it's a startup. You're dealing with shipping, inventory, clothing. That's so emotional. It's a brand new market. What were what was the kind of your what was the, the, the one of the scariest times? It's got to be so complicated. I'm getting confused now. Just thinking about all the the returns, the shipping, the when dry cleaning. I, the- so when I look back on the experience of building Rent the Runway, 
I feel both amazed and frightened by all we've done (laughs) over the last nine years. And Jenny and I always say that, thank God we were so naive at the beginning, because had we thought through all of the things that had to go right or had to go in our favor, all the hard work we would have to do to get to the place that we're in today, like neither of us would ever have signed up for this. (laughs) It's just such a hard business. I didn't know that we'd have to become the world's largest dry cleaner. I didn't know that we'd have to build all of the technology from scratch, that we'd have to hire hundreds of engineers, and that would have to be one of our core competencies. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that data science would be as important to our business as it is. So, so much of this, we kind of just learned by doing, and, and it happened incrementally. So none of this happened overnight. You know, when we launched, we were housing our clothing in a dry cleaner down the street and we were walking over every day at three o'clock with the team that we had and we would pick pack and ship the orders ourselves and it felt like doable and then we moved the inventory into our office and it took over kind of half our office on varick street and again it felt doable it's like every step feels somewhat doable in the sense that it's still you know a big dream in front of us but We've been able to, you know, dream big enough to get there. And you just, I mean, this week or last week they announced that you took, made, you got an investment from Jack Ma from Alibaba fame. And I was off the, I said, I was off Mike, we we're saying, oh, congrats, 20 million bucks. And you said, you know what? That's great. But the, the investor is great, but the sum is, is nothing. Let's talk about fundraising right now. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. We we're talking about some interesting stuff before that, especially early on. You know, you were you had female leadership in a in a market for women's well, clothing. We still have female leadership. Yes, you do. But you know, so it's so many like what ninety percent or more of, of investors are men, and you're selling a you know a company for clothes, and you you had trouble with that. I mean, anyone would. Yeah, I think all the stats are grim. The fact that only 2% of dollars in 2017 went to women. 2%? Yes. Um, The percentage of investors, especially at top firms that are women, I would say it's lower than 10%. Mm. Um, I could name all of the female investors if you wanted me to in a trivia game right now. (laughs) That's how few there are. I've raised $210 million, and I'm really proud of that. Mm. And I think that that puts me amongst the top you know, founder, female founder CEOs in terms of the amount of money that we've raised. However, that's abysmal compared to the $22 billion that Uber has raised. The, I believe it, 5 to $6 billion that Airbnb has raised. And let's think fundamentally about what that does. When you raise $22 billion, it's very hard for you to fail. Yeah, a lot of ammo. You've got a lot of opportunities to hire the wrong people, to make mistakes, to change your business strategy, to acquire other companies, to grow really, really quickly, to market. Like all of these female founded companies who are able, you know, once they do raise money, they're raising so much less money than comparable male founded companies. And therefore, women are always on this tightrope of how do I grow and how do I showcase enough growth to get the next round of funding into my company without bankrupting my business? Yeah, you're the tightrope, but you're also not, there's no safety net opposed to having $22 billion or even, yeah. 
I think that that's one of the things that needs to change, that not only do I want people to invest in women and into companies where women are the end consumer and not feel like that's niche, given that women control 85% of all household purchases. It's, you know, the, the huge majority. But I also want comparable dollars going in. You know, Rent the Runway, we have a huge opportunity here to build a, I think, 50 to $100 billion business. There's no reason in a market where we all have to get dressed every single day why my business can't be larger than Netflix. Mm. Netflix is not a utility. It's an incredible platform, but I don't have to watch entertainment content every single day. I have to put on clothes. And if I'm a true substitution for the closet, it should be a really, really big idea and a really big opportunity. But if I don't have the capital to go after the idea in that big of a way, Mm -hmm. there's a ceiling to which I'll I'll get to. How does this country fix those abysmal numbers, the 2% going to women, the less than 10% um, partners at, at, at VC firms and private equity firms? I mean, it's such a huge, like this is the last couple of years, it's been such a huge topic. Everyone's talking about it, but it, are changes happening? I don't think that changes are happening quick enough. It shouldn't have to take a Katrina Lake IPOing her company and being successful, or a me growing my company and being successful for other women to be given a chance. Mm-hmm. So the pattern recognition that is a problem in the VC world, like we have to just call a spade a spade and say, you know, recognize that if you're giving me $200 million and you're giving Uber $22 billion, what's going to be the bigger company? Who's going to make the most money? Like anyone on the street could answer that question. So I don't think it's, it's changing quick enough. I think there are a lot of really well-intentioned people. So I don't believe that all VCs are bad. In fact, 99% of the venture capitalists that I've ever encountered, and I've encountered a lot of them, yep. are good, want the world to be different and equal. But often people exist in a bubble and they don't understand their own biases. So, you know, unless there are women sitting around the table, unless 50% of investors are women, unless the investor set actually looks like the demographics of this country, Let's talk about the problem that people of color don't get invested in, mm-hmm. that people from non-coastal cities don't get invested in. I mean, Steve Case started a whole fund recently to address basically entrepreneurs coming out of all of the red states. Yeah, middle, middle of the country. I thought that the Harvard Business School study that came out earlier this year that said that the same business plan if delivered, the same pitch, if delivered by a woman or a man, gets fundamentally different questions. So the man gets questions such as, how big can this get? Like, how can we help you make this even bigger? What's your vision? The woman gets questions like, well, have you thought about this risk? Have you thought about that risk? Like, with a man, you're trying to make his idea into as big of an idea as humanly possible. And with a woman, the questions are like, how can I save the investment if this all goes downhill? <laughs> there's fa- an assumption There's an assumption of failure. And that assumption of failure is 
basically ensuring that women are getting lesser checks. Not only are we getting less checks, but we're getting checks for less money. That's fascinating. I mean, it's scary, but I've never heard that study. It's wild. I think that if we were to do an investigation and I, you know, implore a journalist to do this, I would like to publish the term sheet that I have from my seed round when I raised my first round of funding. And I'm one of the lucky ones who did raise a seed round. Mm. And I did raise $1.75 million. And I would like to put that against any comparable man and what his seed round looked like and what were the legal terms that I received versus any man. And I will bet every dollar I have in the bank account that I had so many different ways that control could have been taken away from me. I had so many different cards stacked against me in a way that male founders just don't have. And I think that people just have to see that. You know, it's not that people wanted to screw me over. It's just that they saw two female founders and they were biased. They thought that the business wasn't going to be as successful or that successful. So they thought they could take away more from us. They were, there were lots of contingency plans in there. I had no vote on my board at the time. That's crazy. Like I had to fight over the course of many years to have a vote that would count in board conversations. How many male founders is that the case? We know that when it comes to male founders like Evan Spiegel or Travis Kalanick, the conversation was about how they had too many votes. Right, Some of those men get 10x voting power. I didn't even have a vote. Yeah, and all these, super, all these IPOs now have super voting rights and all these different shares built in. It's the old, the old Zuckerberg model. So I think that as opposed to talking about this emotionally, what the industry needs to move towards is just let's look at the facts. Let's not just look at dollars. Let's look at term sheets. Mm-hmm. Look at, let's look at the support that women get from investors in the firm. How often is... An investor, if you do get the round from Kleiner Perkins or from Sequoia and you're a female-founded company, how often is someone from that firm trying to help you, trying to help you recruit, introducing you to someone, doing a business development deal for you versus how often they're doing it for a male-founded company? And we'll be right back after this quick break. Traditional static offices are a thing of the past. Today, companies and employees want an active workspace. Veridesk helps people reimagine their office design. Being more active at work, like standing more and sitting less, can help improve your health by boosting energy and productivity. Veridesk Active Workspace Solutions make it easy to encourage more movement in a day. The new ProDesk 60 Electric Standing Desk is the cornerstone of the active office. It's designed with commercial-grade materials, stable at any height, and fully assembled in under five minutes. Plus, all Veridesk products are made to last. They're also simple to set up and move or reconfigure as businesses change and grow. Check out Veridesk products, including the new ProDesk 60 Electric risk-free for 30 days with free shipping and free returns. Learn more at veridesk.com slash Forbes. That's V-A-R-I desk dot com slash Forbes. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19-ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. 
and pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our Spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417 while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details, U.S. only. When you speak to other female founders and leaders and investors, I mean, does this come up all the time? Are they discussing ways about plans and just or just give advice? And how is there? How does that interaction work? I've made it my life's mission to help support female founders. Yeah. And three years ago, my co-founder Jenny and I started a foundation where the sole purpose is to help female founders scale their companies. There actually are almost 50% of ideas are started by women, mm-hmm. but they don't get anywhere. You know, they're not able to raise the seed round and they're certainly not able to raise the Series A. So what we realized early on was what we needed at the beginning of our business wasn't inspiration. If I want inspiration, I can go online and watch a video of Sheryl Sandberg. Yeah. What I needed was tactical help. I need someone to pick up the phone for me, help me recruit someone, help me get the deal done, help review my technology architecture, help me come up with a PR plan. And if women are given that tactical help by a network of people who have been there, done that, they're able to just get to the answer quicker. When you meet, like you said, when you have this this foundation to work with, with young entrepreneurs, what are the key things to kind of, you want to get in their heads early on? Well, the key thing that I do with every company that I'm mentoring is I go through their fundraising deck and rewrite it for them. I think that if we are, you know, women are kind of trained from a very early age to not ask for the moon and the stars, to not be as ambitious or aggressive Mm -hmm. when it comes to their pitch or how their idea is changing the world. We've heard the stat that a man applies for a job when he has 60% of the qualifications for that job. And a woman doesn't apply for that job until she has 100% of the qualifications. It's the exact same thing in a venture capital pitch. Most pitches I see by women are giving the very realistic portrait Mm -hmm. of what could be achieved, discounted, you know, by every possible negative scenario. Yeah, they're underselling themselves instead of... Right. They're not even selling the the reality, let alone selling the positive, you know, situation of what could happen and what could turn this into a really, really big, powerful idea. And to VC's credit... If I were a venture capitalist, I'm not going to invest in the $100,000 idea mm-hmm. or the million-dollar idea. I'm only going to invest in the $10 billion idea. So if Brian Chesky's coming into my office and he's pitching the you know, $50 billion idea behind Airbnb, I'm putting all my dollars there. Yeah. So unless women start pitching their own ideas differently and dreaming as big for their companies as men do, um, and communicating in that way, we're not going to receive the same dollars. Now, that answer just put a lot of blame on women. Mm-hmm. That is one small, small problem in a host of hundreds of things that need to change, many of which I you know, just addressed <laughs> a few minutes ago. Well, let's spin forward for a second. You're so excited about the unlimited. You're you know, it's changing the way people are, are dressing and living their lives and spending their money. And you said before, I think you said, you know, this, let's make this a $50 billion company. Yes. How do you how do we, how are you going to get there? Or what's your plan vision to get there? Grow, grow, grow. I mean, the vision to get there is the demand is there. 
We're seeing that this product is even more viral than our original Rent the Runway classic business, which Mm -hmm. still exists. I've hired the very top talent in the world to help me get there. And, you know, all that stands in front of us right now is how quickly we can buy inventory Mm -hmm. to satisfy our customer demand. What's the best way these days of getting word out? Is it people telling their friends, oh, I... I, Still 100% word of mouth. In fact, our CAC is zero in our meaning like we don't spend any marketing against our subscription business because our customers are walking billboards of the product. They're using it 150 days of the year. And let's say like 125 of those days they're using it and they go into work. Mm -hmm. They go to the same desk every single day and now they're wearing this fabulous new outfit to work every day. And all of their colleagues notice it. So we started noticing these offline um viral or network effects that were happening, we would see that one person in an office, like in Facebook, New York, Mm -hmm. would be a subscriber, and then two, and then five, and then 15, and then 40, and then 80. And we're like, that's really interesting. And you can tell by just looking at like, if people are signing up with their work emails, or is it? Yeah, we know where they work. We know where they live. We've also seen some really interesting things at like apartment buildings, especially apartment buildings where you go in to pick up the mail yourself. Mm -hmm. So there's an apartment building in downtown Manhattan where like 75 uh, people have subscriptions to Rent the Runway. And it grew over time because people would see all these garment bags in the mailroom every single day. So this idea of being kind of a walking billboard for the behavior, I think that if I marketed and pitched this idea of a subscription to fashion, it would take me a lot of words and time to explain to you what that meant as a potential customer. It's like, how does it work? What is a subscription to fashion? But if you're seeing it be revealed before your eyes every single day with the woman next to you at work, like, this is amazing. How does it kind of spread virally? Will a colleague be say something like, oh, I love that jacket. And the other person say, oh, yeah, actually, it's Rent the Runway Unlimited. That's That's 100% how it it spreads. You know, people find that Rent the Runway is something that they want to share. They want to share smart, you know, tips and tricks with their friends. They believe that Rent the Runway is an aspirational brand, is a smart brand. And since the beginning of our company, they've shared the magic of Rent the Runway, but they were only sharing it a few nights a year. Now they have 150 chances to share it with people who interact with them and compliment them. And it's been unbelievable to see the acceleration of the business just based on the virality alone that like the more people are in the program the more viral it becomes because Mm. there's more people with more opportunities to share the rent the runway love it was fascinating before you're saying how you had this the way you saw things is you know oh that zara you know where it twice is a rental if you sell it it's a rental are there any other markets or any other offerings um, that you guys are looking at in the future. I mean, I know you're always doing incremental stuff, obviously, but uh, is there any kind of big pushes you see in the, in coming up? A hundred percent. I mean, first and foremost, the number one focus is building out the closet in the cloud, building the subscription to fashion. We still want to provide overwhelming value. We want to provide even more value than we do today. 150 days a year is not enough. $40,000 worth of product a year is not enough. Let's actually be a true substitute for the closet. Let's make it as easy as possible for our customers to get new, amazing variety of clothing every single day. But we now have technology and logistics to power rental for 
every retail brand. Mm-hmm. You know, we could now be offering rental for J. Crew and for Banana Republic and for Gucci and for, you know, Dior and enabling those brands to open up the total addressable market for themselves. You'd be the platform and handle logistics, you know, shipping, all the AI. Yes. So there's a lot of ways for us to continue to grow, um, but we've really hit something with this subscription that I think very few consumer-oriented companies ever hit. Like there's a magic that is happening, and we're just growing now and going to capitalize on this as much as we can. You have such an intimate relationship with your customers what um or as the company does what have been some of the biggest surprises of like people's habits or styles that you've come across so one of the biggest surprises has happened over the last few months we this summer launched technology in our stores where subscribers can come into the store take anything off the shelf scan it and walk out without paying so it's we launched amazon go technology (laughs) before amazon but just didn't get the credit for it and what we found is that subscribers are coming into the store a few times a week to get dressed in the store <laughs> for work or to get dressed for their night out or they come in after work and they quickly find their outfit for the next day. It's like a stop in their day similar to going to Starbucks. They're not in the store for a long time. Like they're literally in and out in like 90 seconds. It's like picking up eggs and milk kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, like what's new today? Like let me just pick out a new jacket and a new top and I'll just walk out. So when they get changed for work, they uh, they, go, they pick at the you know, dressing room. They change and take their old outfit and like just put it in their in a bag, or they return. So a lot. Okay? I mean, it's it's really hilarious to watch. A lot of people are coming in right from like their Soul Cycle class. They're coming in in their leggings and whatever. They're picking out their outfit. They go into a dressing room and like yeah, they put their leggings and their top in a tote bag. We have people who come into the store in pajamas. That's amazing. So that's been a really a fun fact of all the store is is their closet in real life, like. If we're really putting the closet in the cloud, now one one aspect of their closet is coming into the store and taking whatever they want. It kind of reminds me of the old Seinfeld when Kramer tried to return the pants he was wearing. <laughs> he wore the pants to the store that he was trying to return. You know what? I need to go back and rewatch that episode. Sorry, my, it's like 20 years ago. Um, and are these, are these stores a future push? Like, where, How many stores like these do you have now, and is that a big goal for the future. I'm actually really happy that we've only opened five stores because this fundamentally changes how I think about physical space Mm -hmm. for Rent the Runway. And I'll probably situate our Rent the Runway stores of the future in different locations and have different configurations because of how customers are using them. Where are the stores right now? Currently, the stores are in New York, L.A., San Francisco, D.C., and Chicago. Mm -hmm. So they're in the right cities, but I would probably, you know, I'm I'm dreaming up something totally different and big as it relates to physical space. Well, this is great. Anything else you want to talk about? I think it's been amazing to me as the CEO and the founder of this company that I could be more excited and more energized by my company eight plus years in than I even was at the beginning. Like fundamentally the passion curve of a founder 
normally declines over time. Mm -hmm. It's similar to like, if you're working at Instagram and Facebook Mm -hmm. and Uber and like utilities that people use every single day, you know, you're making an impact in people's lives. That is what everyone who works at Rent the Runway fundamentally knows and feels right now that we're changing the closet. Forget about the fashion industry. Like the fashion industry is just selling stuff every single year. We're changing a way that you're getting dressed every single day. That's been so unbelievable to, you know, to me as the the founder, but to the 1,200 people that work at Rent the Runway and make it amazing. And you just mentioned 1,200 people, which is a huge amount of people. How have you learned to manage all that and be an executive? Like I always get, I'm always fascinated with like the day in the life of anyone running a company with 100 people, let alone 1,200 people. Like, how do you do it all? And I ask all my CEOs this question. For me, it's been about understanding, A, how to hire for culture. And that is the most important thing. And B, the self-awareness of what are the three things that I'm great at and what are the hundreds of things that I'm not great at. And making sure that every person that we bring onto the team is a compliment and is really adding something that they're the expert in. What are your three things you'd love to focus on? So I focus on the vision of the company, where we're going. I focus on recruiting and inspiring the team, so everything related to people. And I focus on the customer. So, you know, I am doing the prioritization of like, okay, how are we building subscription, making it as big as possible? I think hiring incredible people who love working together. I think at the end of the day, it's simple. We spend more time at work than we do at home. I love the people I work with. I love them so much that I like to spend my free time outside of work hanging out with them. And that's palpable. People see that that ease exists. When ease exists between colleagues and trust exists, actually work happens a lot faster. You mentioned you were hiring for culture is a big deal, obviously, for every company. What is the rent the runway culture like? How would you describe it? So there are four qualities in our culture. The first is curiosity. So this constant quest to learn more, to be curious about your job, about yourself, always asking questions, never thinking you're an expert. So with curiosity actually comes humility. Mm -hmm. The second aspect is people who are super passionate, really really energetic, passionate people. Third is work ethic. We work really hard. We have a really hard business. And I want people who are intrinsically motivated. Like when any, when a CEO of a company has to tell someone to work harder, like fundamentally you're failing. (laughs) And then the fourth is resilience or positivity. So people that look at the world despite how difficult their life might be or various situations in their life, and they see the positive. Mm -hmm. A startup is so hard. There are so many bumps along the road. So I personally like to be around people who are adding positivity into the environment. You guys had a huge jump when you started, you took the dry cleaning and logistics in-house. You built the biggest dry cleaner in the world. Would you ever start making clothes and making designs? I think that we would think about proprietary content, but do it in partnership with the industry. So I love Netflix's model of proprietary content where first they had all the data. So for them to spend billions of dollars on content wasn't as much of a risk 
than for Disney to do it. Because they knew what people liked. They knew what people liked. They owned the customer. They owned the distribution channel. They owned the data. Yep. But they also further de-risked their content by, you know, involving directors from Hollywood and stars from Hollywood and people that they knew were known entities. I mean, who would have known how much to pay Adam Sandler, you know, for a deal with besides Netflix? Yeah. They had the data on like who actually likes watching Adam Sandler. So similarly, we know more about what millennials want to wear than arguably any other company in the world. So we should be able to take that data with us to designers and develop proprietary content that wins so oh so partnerships like you mentioned j crew before you could go with a date and be like hey you should make the j crew rent the runway jacket pant whatever and you just know that it's the it has the features that so many of your clients love in in these things that keep on renting and and buying exactly that's very cool yeah there's a lot of opportunities ahead and that's you know why i come back to like this is the most exciting time that we've ever had at the company and it's energizing and we're really changing the way that people get dressed every day. So I feel privileged to continue to be running this company and to have the support of my team and my board and growing and then having people now knocking on the door, like the founders of Alibaba, just wanting to sit around and be on the sidelines is even more amazing. Well, that was a great show. I want to thank Jennifer Hyman, the co-founder and CEO of Rent the Runway, Likely come into a closet near you. Thank you so much, Steve. That's it for this episode of the Forbes interview. I'm Steve Bertoni. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a question or comment, please reach us at interview at podcastone.com. Hi, I'm Spencer Raskoff, the CEO of Zillow Group, and I have a new podcast here on Podcast One called Office Hours. Listen as I have one-on-one conversations with other CEOs. We have the kind of conversations that can only happen between peers, tackling tough questions, sharing hard-won insights, and helping to define what leadership means today. Join me twice a month on Office Hours, exclusively on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and the new Podcast One app. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19-ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. And pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417 while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details, U.S. only. At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.